Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Jury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast. This is episode number 292, and it's powered by DeerCast. You're Tim Chelsvik. You are Matt Drury. And uh, we and, got a special guest today. Yeah, and hopefully the special guest is not having to detox from all the Halloween candy. Yeah, today as we're filming this, this is Halloween day, so uh, <laughs> all three of us have kids. The so temporary diabetes ba- is about to start. Basically, we're going to do the dad tax pretty heavily tonight <laughs> take all the food. Kids, if you got Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, they belong to me. So we've got Michael Hunsucker from the Heartland Bow Hunter joining us. He, and not only, not only is he having a great season, his whole family's having a great season. What's up, Michael? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Good, man. Not as good as you. I mean, I, I'm jealous, <laughs> frankly. This is our continuing uh, series of people who have actually killed whitetail bucks. Yeah, for some reason, Tim and I, <laughs> I don't know why we think have of a, a lot of reasons. It, we are the epitome of like the meme pages make fun of people that have podcasts <laughs> and don't kill shit. Influencers. <laughs> That's Tim and I this year. Yes. <laughs> so you, you're having a hell of a year so far. Uh, and I appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us and, and just kind of share some of this knowledge so we can hopefully r- something rubs off on us. Yeah, no, man, I'm, I'm very, very blessed. And, uh, trust me, I've had my fair share of the tough ones too. So, you know, it's just, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty rare when all the cards kind of fall into, uh, the way they have this, this year. So, yeah, I, I look forward to diving into that a little bit because it's impressive for you know and i i see this there's there's plenty of people that that do this where they jump around they kind of have their plan for the fall and they jump around from state to state you guys obviously have done a lot of uh western big game stuff you know that's part of your that's kind of part of the allure of, of heartland bow hunter it's not just the heartland you guys do a lot of great um big game stuff that always mm-hmm. sucks me in and the footage is second to none that's always your calling card but how do you go about planning these trips out and you know when it falls in like this and you're having success state to state to state i mean there's sometimes where it feels like you're in colorado and you guys kill a couple things and then next day i know you're missouri and you killed something <laughs> it's like okay how are these guys doing this yeah yeah so i mean a lot of it's dictated with you know what tag we draw especially with the western stuff but i think you know growing up in the midwest like you guys did like it's just you know one of the things you grew up hunting whitetails and so as you kind of progress and you you start to hunt more and you start to want to hunt different species, different places. And so like that was, you know, naturally, and we kind of drawn naturally that direction. And so, um, you know, with, uh, with, with elk and mule deer seasons opening a lot of times way sooner than the seasons around here, that was kind of our, our draw initially. And so when we got started, we were, you know, young enough to where I was like, I'm going to start applying in all these States and building these points. And then that way, you know, if I start now and in 10, 12 years, I should be able to draw a nice tag, mm-hmm. um, every single year. Now that's kind of changed with the, with the point creep, with the information, you know, becoming so readily available to everybody that, that it's taking way more points now than it ever was at one point, uh, to draw those tags. And the, uh, states have figured that out. I'm sure that's a huge revenue source for them. And so it's gotten more difficult, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I always start every season kind of with, all right, like what tags, you know, do we, do we draw bonus tags wise? Um, the stuff like Missouri, 
obviously, you know, is, is over the counter state. I'm a resident, but, um, you know, that's a given, but uh, we're applying for Iowa. I'm applying for Kansas. Kansas has traditionally been a pretty well high success rate draw, but as of late, it's gotten more difficult. Um, but yeah, so we just sit down and kind of say, all right, here's the tags that I drew this year, um, you know, and kind of lay out how we want to hunt it. And to your point, a lot of it does kind of vary on, you know, uh, what deer, you know, I may be hunting here in Missouri if, if it's a deer that, you know, okay, I'm not going to commit to traveling and, and going out of state when I want to focus a lot of effort on this deer. Um, so it kind of just depends. Every year is a little bit different. So as we were texting, trying to line up the podcast in the last, you know, week to 10 days, <clears throat> you were in Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you showed me a picture of that double drop tine deer. Who was that that killed that thing? It was a monster. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's my buddy, Tony. And, um, so it's a pretty cool story. His and I story. We go way, way back, but, um, Tony, his daughter actually, uh, it's been 10 years ago, at least reached out to me. She had a school assignment to write to somebody famous. And so everybody in her class is writing, you know, Brad Pitt and these famous actors or whatever. And, uh, she says, I want to write Mike from Harper Bow her message because her and her dad, Tony, they lived up in the mountains in Colorado and, uh, he would take her to school every morning and um, they, you know, it was a long commute to, to school every morning. So they would watch uh, before they, before they left in the morning, they'd watch our show. And so uh, pretty cool. She wrote, wrote me a letter. Uh, he, he emailed me, asked for my address and I said, absolutely. And uh, I wrote her back and so, so I think she was, she was the only person in her class that actually got a letter back from anybody. Nice. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so he said, you know, Hey man, like uh, if you ever want, if you're interested, I run a, uh, a dude ranch operation, like a vacation ranch um, out here in Colorado in the mountains, but we're surrounded by public land. If you ever want to come out and do a mule deer hunt um, or just bring the family out and hang out, whatever, like let's figure that out. And so we actually, the first time I went out, did a mule deer hunt and uh, I put in for the tag. I had some points built up and it wasn't a really tough tag to draw um, regardless. Uh, and so I drew, drew that tag. And so we went out, stayed on the ranch there, which is, it's a small ranch, um, but surrounded by public land, like I said. And so we did uh, seven or eight days hunting mule deer out there and just saw some really, really big deer, but it's one of those, it's one of those areas that's very, very, very difficult to bow hunt. Um, ended up getting an opportunity, like a 60 yard shot. The deer was like kind of on high alert, it was like gone before the air got there type deal. But uh, anyway, that's how, that's how Tony and I met. And um, so we've been friends since. I brought the family out to the ranch a couple of times. Um, we've gone a few different, we've been on a few different hunts together over the years and then um, the, uh, the company that owns the ranch and, uh, that he runs and manages, um, actually ended up buying this place in the Eastern Plains. Um, and so they wanted to, uh, they, they kind of knew some history that it was decent, um, you know, decent deer activity, but they wanted me to kind of come out there, um, help them get it all set up and kind of help them implement a management program, uh, for that ranch. Hmm. So uh, th was it a day or two before that, that you had killed a giant as well? Yeah. So like, I think it was three days before it was my third day of my hunt. I killed a really, really good buck that literally looks like a baby inside the rack of the double drop time. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, a really, really good buck, really old deer. Um, and one that we had some history with. So it was, it was pretty cool too. Yeah. What, so as a Midwestern guy, are there any kind of whitetail hunting principles that you've you know that you learned and live with here in the midwest that when you go out west you're like i got i can't do that here i can't default to those things 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely different. Um, the eastern part of Colorado, I compare it kind of to the western Kansas. You know, it's wide open, mm-hmm. um, really dry, like desolate country. But uh, all the, the the whitetails, you know, thrive along the river systems. Um, and it's it's honestly one of the best places, the most fun places that you know I, I like to hunt whitetails because it's open. I usually hunt during the rut, pre-rut rut time when you can decoy, you can call, you can mm-hmm. you can do so many things where these deer are pretty visible as opposed to the Midwest, like in Missouri, you know, we're, we're heavily timber and lots of cover. And, you know, you might, you know, I might be hunting deer for all season long and see them once or twice or whatever. These deer are a lot more visible, um, especially this time of year when they're more vulnerable. So, uh, you know, when it comes to, to the hunting side of things though, it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different. Your their, their travel corridors are a little more narrowed down um, and they're a little more funnel. It's really conducive for hunting during the rut, which is why, that's why I tend to go out there. Okay. I was wondering about that. Cause that, that's really my question is how do you decide to spend your time? I, I would have a hard time. Hell just going from one lease to the other lease. Like it's, yeah. it's hard to decide where, when to go. I mean, the cameras dictate a lot of that, but I can't imagine the travel yeah. and the kind of the planning that goes behind going to a whole nother state, especially when you have a young family and you know, there's just obligations that you can't get around all the time. That that's gotta be difficult to plan that. Yeah, no, no doubt. And yeah, especially since, you know, like I said, I, I do have some, you know, young family growing up and ever since I, you know, started having kids that definitely changed. You know, we used to do the old Western tour for, you know, beginning of season, be gone for a month, three weeks, whatever. And, uh, so since then I, you know, we, we still, if we get back to back tags and I'll still maybe do a couple of weeks out West, but, um, yeah, I usually try to split that up to where I can, you know, go on a trip, come be back home for a week. Um, and then, you know, we're, it's lucky, you know, we're lucky enough to, to have property right here where, where I live. And so, you know, it's easy for me to jump in the blind with the boys when I get back in town and, and run cameras, but to your point and cell cameras have made it, I mean, they're just unbelievable. They're awesome, but it, they've made it, <laughs> they've made it very difficult, you know? In, in, in seasons past, I've been, you know, on hunts and you're maybe not having the best of luck on this hunt out of state. You drove 10 hours, eight hours, you're pre-committed and you're, you're just like, ding, 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 mm-hmm. ding, your bucks just daylight and <laughs> yeah. just t- tormenting you. And Sean's having one of those moments uh, currently right now where he's trying to, he, he's, he's trying to figure out where to dedicate his time because he's, he's kind of torn between <laughs> different states. But It makes it tough, man. Yeah. It's like it playing whack-a-mole. Sure. You go over here, they're over there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got a buck that I've been hunting, uh, past few years here in Missouri. That's been just, just wearing me out, man. He's just got my number. And, uh, of course I, 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 uh, so I was targeting a different buck. He wasn't real regular early in the season. And as soon as I shoot my, my buck in Missouri and, you know, I can't hunt again until rifle season, mm-hmm. boom, here he is daylight, just regular <laughs> and, uh, just, just tormenting me. So, We'll, we'll see. I, uh, my, my wife is like you guys said, I was able to have a couple of successful hunts with, with my boys, both of them shot their first bucks this year, which was great. It's cool. Um, but, uh, my wife is over there like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> she's like, I've been on the, put on the wayside since the boys started hunting, but yeah, no, she's ready to get, get out. So we're going to, we're going to get out this week and hopefully have some good hunts. It's, uh, things are lining up nicely to, to be good. I think. Nice. So as we look ahead of the forecast, you know, here in Missouri, and it really probably most of the Midwest, it's pretty unseasonably warm this week. Next week, yeah. leading into that full moon, it, it looks to be getting pretty right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I'd like for it to be a little bit colder, especially in the mornings, but it's not horrible. It's yeah. not, this week's pretty bad. So when you look at the forecast, you look ahead like that. 
what what factors are you looking at? You know, everybody says, well, this is the time of year that you just kind of got to go. I saw a post, uh, and this isn't a knock uh, on Kip Adams at all. We've had him on the podcast, obviously mm-hmm. a very knowledgeable guy. But he sent, he showed a picture, a trail cam picture of a deer, and he was talking about how many yards it moved from its, you know, core area and, and that they're moving. You kind of got to be out there. But the picture, I mean, they showed it. It said he circled it was 750 at night, I think is what I saw. And his point was it was 50 degrees he circled. The way I looked at that is like, well, it's moving, but it's moving at dark, you know, and that's when we, Mark and Terry talk about it all the time, this time of year, you know, if you got these type of temperatures, the movement still happens, the red activity still happens, but it may happen during nighttime hours, during the dark. So as you look ahead, looking at the forecast, what's your plan of attack going into this all important stretch that we all love so much? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're a little bit different than most people, right? I mean, uh, I have the ability to hunt a ton and I'm not like, okay, I have seven days that I'm going to, you know, save my vacation for and take. And, and then you obviously be a little more picky and choosy. Um, my biggest thing is I kind of, you know, rely heavily on trail cameras and what, what deer are killable, what deer aren't. Cause you can definitely do, even though it is that time of year, you can definitely do more harm than good if you're going and blowing deer out. So um, you know, my biggest thing too is, and this may be a, a hot take, but I, like if, if the deer has not been pressured and lives on your place, like he's moving in daylight. Like I, I love guys like, Oh yeah, no, I'm hunting this nocturnal buck. It's like, is he nocturnal or is he just not living on your, your property and he's yeah. only making it your way after dark? Um, you know, I, I've found at least, you know, hunting, you know, majority of pieces that are larger private, you know, private land stuff that deer aren't disturbed a lot. Like they're moving in daylight somewhere. Um, and so, you know, this time of year, like you said, it, it can be feast or famine. It just kind of depends. It can, it can vary from property to property. Um, you know, I literally here at my, at my home farm had a buck locked down with a doe uh, yesterday um, that I drove right by on the, on the four wheeler and he was locked down with the doe. He jumped up and then laid right back down. And so, um, my brother-in-law, who's a who's a farmer in Central Missouri, sent me a video from his combine of a buck locked down with a doe in a, in a standing bean field. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, it's the rut. You get reports from everybody, different variations. I've been talking to guys like, oh yeah, I think it's early this year because of the drought. And you know, you're gonna see some of that stuff, right? I mean, in pockets and places. And um, so, I think it just kind of kind of varies. But um, to the point of like, you know, trying to find this next week, you know, what what to do. I got a deer that's, that's been pretty regular in daylighting. And so we're going to, we're going to go after him. Um, if I wasn't getting good, good pictures, I don't know how aggressive I would be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I find interesting the, the, and you know, Mark and Terry are masters of, of that knowing when to really dive in and start hitting it hard and they got a tracker track record to prove it. But when you don't have a track record, Tim and Matt, and you, 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 you see this stuff and you're like, okay, is this, this, when I need to make that move, is this the time to get aggressive? And this really historically, this time of year is the time you get aggressive, a little more mm-hmm. aggressive, but I'm still paying attention to the wind. I'm still paying attention to the conditions, you know, if the pressure's rising, if the, you know, what the wind speed is and, you know, I know you got to be there to kill them, but, uh, like you said, I, if you got nocturnal deer, you know, pictures are still nocturnal are you going to do more harm than good or not? That's, you know, I, I really struggle with that going into this week when the conditions aren't 
exactly favorable, but in the back of my mind, I know they should be moving. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. it's just a tough decision sometimes. Yeah. I mean, from, from what I've seen in Missouri, I mean, they're just, I mean, just trash and scrapes right now and, and movement seems to be pretty good. I haven't seen, like I had, a, uh, had got pictures of a buck, nice four-year-old this morning that was following a doe, like wasn't blurry running, but I'm getting some pictures like that too. So, um, they're definitely, they're definitely moving and checking scrapes, but yeah, like like you said, that warmer weather will definitely push most of the movement towards the evening. I would assume. I, I find it interesting when guys are. You see a lot of this, especially now with social media. The it's on. It's happening here in such and such place, or the rut is on. And I often think, well, is it a two year old? Is it a three year old? What's that mm -hmm. mean to that guy? What you know? What kind of deer are we talking about here? Because I mean, it it starts a little bit earlier. It seems like for the younger ones. I mean, we've been seeing that kind of movement on the Lisa we hunt for a, you know a week, ten days, where they're starting to feel. You can just tell they're starting to feel frisky. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't mean that that the rut is on like you always hear. Yeah. So you always got to be careful of that. I think. Meanwhile, the big mature deer are just sitting off to the side, just laughing at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially not wasting their energy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, yeah. that's what it ends up being chasing a doe. It's not receptive. It's just a waste. Yeah. And they're yeah. good. I mean, they're, from what I've seen, the maturity are, are moving, checking scrapes and covering ground. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know that they're, they're going to be messing, messing with bumping does around and, you know, sniffing every doe, but they're definitely, they're definitely covering ground checking scrapes. Yeah. Their home core is definitely continuing to increase, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that circle they're making is getting bigger and bigger. So Michael, how do scrapes play into your trail camera placement strategy? Oh, look, basically every single camera I have is on the scrape right now. I mean, it's, it's my favorite, favorite time of year to do that. Uh, majority of your pictures are going to be bucks mainly, uh, which is awesome. And then just, I don't know. I mean, they, that's just where they want to be. And they're going to be along those, you know, natural travel, areas so i mean i have i have some you know cameras on you know gate gaps fence crossings that type of stuff but um yeah there's nothing better than slapping a trail camera on mm -hmm. video mode and and uh watching the buck tear up the scrape do you do much with scrape trees i mean do you put you know out on food pods do. or do you have much luck with them hitting scrape trees yeah um you know it kind of seems like I don't know. It kind of seems like feast or famine. Like they either just take to them and start trashing them or they, or they don't. But, um, having a wife that hunts and kids that hunt that need close range shot opportunity in a state where you can't bait, like yeah. that is awesome. Like a great way to get a deer to, you might have a food plot that's two acres, but get them, suck them in, in the bow range. Um, it can be a super effective way. Mm -hmm. Are you pro peeing into a scrape or anti? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about hot I don't, takes. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I usually don't do uh, pee in the scrape, but I, I'm not too concerned about like peeing from the tree stand or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you this, other than the noise making? Yeah. Do you start utilizing decoys at all this time of year? Yeah. So I'm. I, I like absolutely love decoying, and I always, um, you know, primarily use a buck decoy. I know you guys have messed with doe decoys. I've seen you know Mark and Terry use them over the years, and um, I never have messed with the doe decoy. Um, but I just absolutely love using the buck decoy, um, especially out, like I said, in Western you know, Kansas, Colorado, like lower deer density areas mm -hmm. where there's really good buck to doe numbers and lower deer density areas. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, in Missouri, we have, you know, we have high deer numbers, most places, um, in Missouri. And so it can, they can be tricky because just those just don't like them. They get bothered and they blow and you can mess a ton up. Um, but in those situations, I'll usually, you know, I might hunt like a spot where I would never 
usually hunt without a decoy. Like I'm like, your shot opportunity is very little, like maybe off the fringe a little ways, mm-hmm. but we have great visibility and you might see a buck cruising, bang the horns together and catch his attention. That's, that's primarily where I'll use the, where I'll use the decoy in, in like Missouri or higher deer number areas. And how do you orient the, the decoy? Does, do you find that matters in, in terms of how the, the buck comes in postures and, and your shot opportunities? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's like, that's, this is what I love about bow hunting and hunting in general is like everything's situational, right? Like it's all, the, it all varies, but for the most part, for me, I primarily almost always, um, the, the bucks are going to approach the downwind side of the decoy. And so I usually quarter it to me, um, you know, and they'll approach it head on. So my, my thought process is, you know, that they'll be quartered away mm-hmm. coming into that decoy. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been in situations where, um, like distance wise too, I, I try to put it at least 25, maybe, you know, maybe even a little further, um, depending on the situation, because a lot of times you put it too close and the deer will get down wind of you mm-hmm. down behind you. So you have to shoot them before they get down wind, or if it's a deer, you're not going to shoot, then they may spook and blow it all up. But, uh, that happened actually in, in, in Colorado, the buck, my buddy, Tony killed, um, my, uh, Brandon who films me was scouting the night before while we were hunting and we were in a different spot. didn't see the deer. Brandon saw him while he was scouting. And so we went and hung a stand in that, on that, uh, field edge where he saw him, he came down that field edge was making scrapes. It was a big alfalfa field and it was our last night. And it was one of those deals where I was like, yeah, he could come down and hit the scrape and walk the edge of the field again, or he could walk right out in the middle of the field and chase a doe. I was like, let's just put a decoy out. Let's, let's, let's get kind of aggressive and, and try it. And, uh, it actually, it, it worked. It didn't work in like the picture perfect way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually had a doe and a fawn come out and they kind of are looking at the decoy kind of nervous and she came out, but they, they never did go all the way up to it and touch it. Um, and so they, they, you know, got kind of nervous, but then chilled out, started feeding. I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is perfect. Like they're just chill yeah, feeding. Like if that buck comes out and sees this, this decoy with these, this doe, Oh, it's game over. And we're sitting there a while and the does start looking up and they look whack way back in the corner of the field. They're looking like where, where we're expecting him to come mm-hmm. from. And all of a sudden the fawn just runs off and then boom, the doe runs off. And I was like, Oh, it must be a coyote. And I'm like, looking, looking, and then I just see this giant double drop time racks like loping oh, through yeah. the field right to us. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> and so he came in licking his lips, all postured mad. But then the does were kind of freaked out and they start blowing. Mm. So then he kind of came out of his aggressive state and was more or less like curious. And so it took him a while to come in and he kind of went, wanted to go downwind, wanted to come right at him, wanted to go downwind, wanted to come right at him, and finally just circled and he was behind trees from us the whole time. And finally he, circled and came out like less than 20 yards where Ooh. he, where he came out and gave my, my buddy nice. Tony a shot. So it, it honestly, like it wasn't as like picture perfect and like super exciting as a normal decoy. That's like a buck that's like locked into the decoy, mm-hmm. but it was maybe better because I've had situations when they're like so keen and so locked onto that decoy, you can't stop them. Mm-hmm. And so you have to shoot them walking, you know, slow, stiff leg walk. So it's not like a terrible thing, but you have to shoot them walking with it, those blow the decoy up and sometimes they, you know, won't come back. So you kind of, kind of worked out in the long run. Well, now what about scent control on the decoy? Cause that, that seems like there's kind of a, a double-edged sword there with, with putting something man-made out there. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, usually spray it down like scent elimination, spray it down with scent spray. Okay. Uh, I didn't, I don't add a lot of scent, but I will, uh, I will, if I, if I've killed a buck or somebody, I know has killed a buck recently, I'll cut the tarsal glands off. Mm. I think that just that really puts them at ease. I think part of it is <clears throat> if deer get downwind of it and they don't smell anything, they're kind of like, what? like this buck should stink it's right like now. Uh, 
So I, I haven't used much artificial stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm just hesitant to use anything artificial, but I, I have done the tarps blend thing for sure. Sure. I'm trying to think what the stuff Mark or Terry uses. Evercom. 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 He, he, Evercom. Yep. yep. He'll put that on on the decoy, and that seems to be he'll spray it down as well with sin elimination stuff, and then put some Evercom on on the nose and a few other spots. Yeah, I've I've, uh, I've heard good things about the Evercom, and it's it's uh, it's artificial, right? I believe so. I didn't. Yeah, don't I think it is artificial. That. I uh, I saw you guys posting something about nose jammer recently. Yep. And. Uh, it's it's interesting, I, you know. I, I, I this has been several years ago, but I had a marginal win situation, and I got some Evercall man nose jammer. And it was like, <laughs> it's like last last night hunt, like on a really nice deer. I was like, all right, screw it, we're just gonna wing it. Yeah, we've but, had some good luck with with uh, nose jammer. Nose jammer is a partner. Evercom is not, but nose jammer. We we were using it before they ever came on board too, and more of a you know bottom of the boot kind of walking into this to a set or you know in a tree marginal wind spraying you know maybe the top of the you know above you on the tree or something not not like all out i know they have shampoos and you know body washes and all kinds of stuff i I don't we haven't at least when i say we i'm talking like mark terry you know uh, myself we haven't really gone all out in that regard but they have a now they have like even your wind checker they Mm. have that and and nose jammer and i find myself using it because i like the smell of it and i'm like all right get the car air fresher little pine tree too much here (laughs) yeah i got a funny story about nose jammer since since they're a partner that you'll appreciate this but (laughs) so years ago the guy reached out to me and was like Hey, I want to send you guys some, test it out, see what you think. So I got it, opened the box, and I'm like, sprayed it. And I was like, I was like, it smells like Bed Bath Beyond up in here. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not using this stuff. You, this guy's out of his mind, you know? Yeah. And uh, actually hunting with Jeff and David Lindsay mm. several years ago, um, Jeff was using it. And I was like, come on, man. Like, really? And he's like, dude, it works. Like, it, it actually works. He's like, try it. Give, you know, actually give it a, a shot. And I've tried it since then, and, I, and it, um, it, it works. It's I compare it to kind of similar to you know ozone type stuff. Like yep. they're gonna smell it clearly, right? But yep. they don't they don't smell. Think human. Oh crap! And blow out of there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it um, seems to be like a combination cover scent slash attractant. Because I've I've had deer like you watch them kind of follow it. They're curious about what it is. Because I use the wax stick on the bottom of my boots. And I'll see deer follow. I, when I was hunting the cattle ranch last week, I had a cow follow me to the stand <laughs> oh, <I bet> the <laughs> he was like oh this guy's food yeah. so oh, that's crazy I, I mentioned it early on about you know the obviously the videography side of it. it's kind of you, you guys' calling card beautiful footage just cinematic you know that's it's what you guys have always been known for one of the things that i've really latched onto as far as it, it's your social media and the way that you and I, I don't know if you're doing this with an iPhone or a, some sort of point of view yeah. camera or what the hell you're doing, but the in the stand, the chest shot, view, the chest shot of you know whatever's happening, it, it really sucks you in, man. That's a I've always enjoyed watching that on your social media, and I just want to give you a shout out on that because it is fun to watch it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. I mean, like obviously Sean and I when we started HP years ago, like we were filming each other, like we have, were both huge in the production videography side of things. We love that. And so like in more recent years, like obviously like Brandon travels around with me and like, he, like we're, we're like inseparable. I know he's got it. He's got the footage. He doesn't need help with any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of enjoyed the whole process of like telling the story through the, the, you know, Instagram stories or whatever. 
And the, to your point, like the point of view, I started messing around with my iPhone, putting it in my vinyl harness and uh, reading it up different ways. And to your point, it is, it's a cool perspective. It's, it's like, it, it's funny to me because like people just get all just amped up about that. And I can have like literally the most high end, super high speed slow-mo shot. And it's not the same, right? It's like a different <laughs> kind of feel. It feels more real. Like you're yep. really there, you know, in the stand. And so, uh, I, I absolutely love it. And, act, and actually like it adds a little more intensity and like excitement mm-hmm. to the hunt. Cause like, oh crap, gotta set, set, make sure I'm filming and, and get all this stuff rolling. So. That's the other part I was going to mention. Like, uh, you know, I, it's one thing to do it when a two-year-old, three-year-old, you know, does in front of you, but you're getting it and getting the actual kill shots. And that's a, oh shit type of moment as you're, as you're le- very intense, as you're leading into like, I'm fixing to kill this deer. That's one yeah. more element to make sure it's set up and, and correct and, and all that. So if, if you're not, if you're listening or watching this and you don't follow Michael yet, I would highly recommend it because mm-hmm. his stories are really fun to, to tag along with. You do feel like you're right there sitting shotgun. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I was, I was filming my buddy telling you when that drop time came running in and my whole idea was like, all right, like don't like he's, he's hunted elk and, and mule deer, you know, a lot of Western stuff, not a lot of big white tails. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, like, and I knew he like really, he, he had a, this deer had a number. He had his number. He had an encounter with him the year before and just nicked his back. And so uh, he was kind of under his skin, but I was like, all right, like don't, don't amp him up. Like if this deer comes out, like just keep calm and don't, don't make him more excited than he's already going to be. Mm-hmm. The deer comes like charging, running in. And I was like, Tony, it's him. <laughs> I was all flustered. You know, I, I lost my composure. And uh, to my point, I was filming. And uh, so literally was, was filming with the camera. And so like, I didn't have a chance to like literally set up anything. Yeah. Use my, turn my phone on. I was too yeah. flustered then. So <laughs> Yeah, it's fun to watch. Well, something I've been trying to rip off that you guys have done was your archery goose hunt. I don't remember how many years ago, man, that is, that is one of the coolest hunts I have ever seen. How you like, and you're just kind of set up a little brush blind in front of you. And, uh, it, that was, if folks haven't watched, it's on YouTube, but I, I don't know how many geese you guys killed, but it was not only really cool footage, but also really good shooting too. Like these yeah. guys can shoot. Yeah, no, it's fun, man. I, I grew up waterfowl hunting and love waterfowl hunting and obviously a huge bow hunter when I, 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 you know, doesn't do something with a shotgun too, but it's, it's a fun, just added challenge. And it, and for us, like for me, I mean, a lot of, actually a lot of people, the whole reason they get into waterfowl hunting is the camaraderie side of things. And it's yeah. pretty light and laughing and hanging out and just, just shooting the shit with the boys. And so it's, uh, it's pretty fun to, to get out and do that with the bow. And it's, it's challenging to your, to your point. It's a nice palate cleanser from uh, the tough whitetail season. Go out and chase Seriously, that's season. what it is. Like, after freezing your butt off late season and in the stands, like, all right, let's just get out. We can hang out with the guys and, and, uh, no pressure. Yes. So as we, uh, look forward to the, I'd say the second half of the season, what are you looking most forward to and, and what's on the, the bucket list here? Man, you know, I'm, my season's been made time and time again already for me. So I'm just like, I, I'm not too concerned with whatever happens the rest of the year. Um, I do, I do would, would like to get my wife a shot at a deer. Um, and, uh, that could be, you know, can be a more difficult task than it, than it sounds. I mean, you know, with obviously with, with Taylor and growing up with, 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 uh, women hunters and kids and stuff, it's just, you gotta get them close. You gotta get them, you know, close shots and, uh, it can be difficult, but I will say typically I'm not tagged out this type of time of year. And my wife hasn't historically been able to hunt a lot during the rut. So I'm excited for that opportunity because there, it seems like in Missouri, you know, the, the, that time of year is a great opportunity to get a deer close. You can call to them and suck them, suck them in tight. You can hunt a 
food plot with a scrape tree or a fence crossing where they're just going to be cruising through. So it yep. definitely this time of year lends uh, closer shot opportunities more often than other times of year. Will you guys, do you ever do any, you know, rifle hunting in Missouri or take the boys or like what, what's the thought process there? Obviously the name's Heartland Bowhunter for a reason, but what, yeah. what's the thought process around uh, gun season? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really gun hunt at all. Um, I definitely will, uh, will take the boys, um, if they want to, you know, gun hunt. Uh, I got them started with the crossbow, which is awesome that Missouri allows that. Mm -hmm. And, um, Kansas allows it as well. Cause I was actually talking to somebody recently and, uh, they want their state. I can't remember what state it was, but does not allow crossbow hunting even for like youth. Hmm. Um, so you have to literally have a, uh, disability to, to, to use crossbow or use it during gun seasons. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, as my kids get older and if they express interest for sure, um, it's just something that I've, you know, found opportunities to bow hunt other places all the time. And so it's kind of just, I'm just hooked on the bow hunting side of things, you know, getting them close and, and, uh, but definitely there's been deer over the years and times when I'm been like, man, you know what? I really wish I had a rifle right now. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I don't need to add any more challenges to, to my already challenging season. You're a like, realist. By the time gun season hits, I'm like, thank goodness. Let's just make this <laughs> yeah. thing happen. A shitty hunter. Maybe I got a chance here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it goes back to your point about like time, like literally time on stand kills more deer than anything. Yeah. Um, and not saying just go sit a stand every day and blow the area sure. out, but you know what I mean? Like the ability to hunt and spend time. I mean, I hunt, shoot, I, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many days I've been hunting this year already. So it's one of those deals where I have the ability to do that. But if you don't, for sure, utilize your time the best way, like you're talking about, whether it be gun season or whether it be, you know, my, my favorite time to bow hunt in Missouri is literally the five, six days right before rifle opens. Because once rifle opens, you know, things change. So, yep. Uh, you know, utilize that time wisely. 100%. Yeah. We want to help our buddy Bane out with a question of the day. Yeah. All right. So the question of the day is probably brought to you by Sportsman's Channel, your home for Winchester and Drury's Natural Barn and everything red, wild, and blue. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Why during some seasons the deer will find and devour our turnips and radishes and some years they do not touch them at all. Okay. And Bane has been taken hostage. <laughs> Someone forced, coerced him into that asking that question. <laughs> he sounds like he sounds like me trying to voice text. That's, <laughs> That's what they do, basically. That is how that works. Or he's oh. got a Kalashnikov pointed at him. So what do you, yeah. what do you think here about Bane's question? That is that is interesting because you, you see that um, I've seen that happen with properties and not not yearly, not normally the same property year to year to year. Um, but on different properties, I've seen that like, you know, properties with super high deer density. I mean, they're going to smash the brassicas, turnips, radishes, that type of stuff, um, to where if deer are, you know, on a property where there's food in his abundance and, and they don't need to eat it and they don't, you know, it's palatable different times of the year. Um, you know, they may not, they may not mess with it as much, but you know, that is interesting on, I will say on like the same property, if one year they're going to eat them one year they're not. Mm. you know i don't know what what uh what could be the determining factor other than potentially you know not having as hard of a frost yet i know when we do have a hard frost um, that's when they typically get the most palatable that, that's what i was going to say maybe it was a warm year and it just didn't happen as quickly you, you know what i mean timing I mean, yeah. yeah timing wise on on the first frost or a hard frost because it'll take a couple of them before those sugars break down right yeah yeah i mean like you plant those things in a deer in an area where food is a, is a limited resource like <laughs> they ain't making it till yeah till the first hard frost they're eating it right out of the ground yeah 
Yeah. All right. All right, Bane, get a hold of us via the Rack Pack, and we'll send you a hat for having your question answered on the show. And if you want to have your question answered, just hit the link in the show notes and record something for us. Do it as naturally or as unnaturally as you please. You know, his name's Bane, so maybe Batman had him. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. Love the Batman. All right. Okay, the wildlife word. It's brought to you by DeerCast Wincheck. Pick the right stand and map out your access up to five days in advance using DeerCast Wind Check. It's available now with an Elite Plus or unlimited DeerCast subscription. Woo-wee. We're talking about fat. <clears throat> it's kind of... It's hits home. It's home. It's <laughs> Halloween. <clears throat> yep, batten up. <laughs> right. Well, winter's coming. Call fat is the only tasty fat on a deer. It's the only palatable fat on a deer. Where should you detach it at? So call fat, if you've ever field dressed a deer, for those of you who don't know, it's that fine mesh, like a web, yeah, like a net of kind of clear saran wrap-like membrane with these veins of fat running through it. That's considered the call fat. Uh, And it is, uh, it's actually pretty darn tasty. Uh, But it's attached on the deer at a certain place. So where, if you want to keep it, if you want to cook with it, where do you detach it at? Uh, a, near the tenderloins. B, off the diaphragm. C, from the spleen. Or D, off the flanks. Well, Mike, what do you think? Interesting, man. Um, I'm not a biologist, but, uh, man, these Colorado bucks are just huge body, thick deer, and I, I definitely noticed the, the call fat on them. Um, I'm going to guess the diaphragm. Okay. B. Yeah, that that's what I was gonna say is the diaphragm, based on no scientific knowledge mm-hmm. whatsoever, our intellect. <laughs> Neither of you guys are scientists. Play one on TV. <laughs> oh no, <man. laughs> uh, no. But I, I was gonna say the diaphragm. Okay, it's actually C from. Not that it's the spleen. Okay, that was <laughs> my spleen. second. Spleen. Yes. All kind of in yeah, the Adam's same area. That for you. What's that? I said, Kip Adams could have answered that for us. Yes, Kip would know that. He would have known that. A yeah. real scientist. K- yeah, Kip's an actual <laughs> guy that knows things like this. <laughs> yes. That's why I don't want that to sound like I was questioning him a while ago, because he knows way more than I do. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but I saw the post, I think it was this morning or last night, and I thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, that's, yeah, I, I would have thought, I, I would have got that picture and thought, you know, he's moving at dark because it's hot out. You know? mm-hmm. but, yeah, yeah. I'm putting my own personal deer herd <laughs> in the feelings I have towards it right now on Kip. It's hard not to view the world through your own filter. Yeah. Oh, the deer so. moving. Dad, dad, <laughs> yeah, I was, game uh, on. So, so yesterday, um, Dad actually came home. Like He's had such a great season so far. He actually came home for a day or two. And uh, we had lunch at my mom's. The family did. And all day, I mean, he's just his his phone's out and reconic cell cameras are like, God, they're moving so good. Would you shoot this one? Would you shoot this one? Would you shoot this one? Like, yeah. It sounds yeah, like shoot. you're dead too. I shoot all these. Hey, man, hey, look at this dude. <laughs> Basically, he's like, Oh, they're moving today. They're moving today. And I'm look like, at you. You're here with your family. And I, you I, loser. I looked at mine, I'm like, Well, my shitty farm says they're not. So take that. <laughs> yeah, that nocturnal comment that I made earlier really, really hit home with you, didn't it? Sorry. Yes. He's triggered. <laughs> I'm triggered, all right. It's hard. It, it's honestly hard to be like mentally here uh, this time of year for me. I'm just like, ding, ding. Like looking at my phone. Uh, oh, yeah. Like if I'm not hunting, I'm just like, 
Hmm, I wonder what the deer are doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure your wife brings it up. I, mine does because, like, dinner time. It's like you never seem like you're actually here when you're here. I'm like, I'm working, <laughs> honey. I'm yeah. physically present. Isn't that good enough for you? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I like that. I can just take mine and take them to the blind, jump in the blind with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Brilliant. All right, let, let's hit a shout out. We got a five star Apple review from our buddy Adam Jones. He says, Great hunting podcast. Thumbs up. As a hunter from South Central Iowa, you guys have a very relatable podcast. Each episode is packed with lots of great information and great guests. Michael? Mike. Except for this one. <laughs> <laughs> sucks. It's a flyer. <laughs> I, oh, I, the episode with Wade is at like 25,000 views now. It's amazing. It is amazing. We don't get that high. His first, his first ever podcast. That's yeah. why it was so big. Yeah. Point two. <laughs> <laughs> he says, appreciate you guys don't take yourselves too serious and provide much needed entertainment in the hunting podcast game. Don't ever ditch the soundboard and its plethora of immature sound bites. That's what she said. It's the glue that holds it all together. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. We love those five-star reviews. Yeah. So, Mike, you know, if you want to give us one. We don't. All right. I'll, Just, I'll see what I can do. Oh, nice. We a, need them all. A tacit endorsement from Michael. I'm going to give a bad review for this one. <laughs> all right. So we're to the end here. And at the very end, we have this thing called, Mike, we got this thing on Facebook called the Rack Pack. Basically, it's a private uh, Facebook page that our listeners join. And, you know, it's a place to shoot the shit, put up your hero pictures, uh, have get made people fun of. get made fun of, have mm-hmm. people answer questions, that kind of thing. So every week, Tim will give me a list of names to read. And every week, I just jack all of them up. And then some name in there is fake. And then I jack that name up, too. So <laughs> here we go. All right, so we got Gavin McHenry, we got Caleb Raymer, Thomas Kuhn, Doug and Elena Austin. Uh Uh-oh, we got a dual Facebook page. Someone messed up. All right, we got Lance Dorman, we got Micah Lee. Micah Lee, okay. Connor Miller, Don Kikik. Don Kikik. I don't recognize any fake names in there. Thomas Kuhn? Yeah. Caleb, Gavin McHenry. Probably Lance Dorman is fake because, I mean... Lance Dorman. But Lance Dorman. Don Don Key Kick. Don Key Kick. Think about putting a good hit on a deer and what do they do? They donkey kick. Ah, uh, damn it. Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm dealing with. It's a real Bart Simpson, Colin Moe kind of scenario. Plus, no women are fans of our podcast. So. Other than yeah. uh, Elena Austin well, here. That's Doug Doug and Elena. Doug so and Elena. I'm Doug and Elena. Doug is on the fan side. <laughs> Elena's like, what is this? All right, Doug. Get your own Facebook page. Be a man. We'll pay for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, it's been awesome having you on, man. We, we appreciate you taking the time, especially this time of year. We know everyone's kind of hopping with getting out in the woods and everything. But congratulations on your season so far, too. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm just uh, soaking it all in. Hey, and if you ever want to have me up for hunt, don't do it. Because there's a good chance <laughs> and all will become nocturnal. That's Shoot right. him in the neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had a, a misfortunate start to the season so far at Mark's. So uh, I'm no longer invited anywhere. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> Officially uninvited. Yeah, yeah. Didn't take long. It took uh, three days. <laughs> all right. Well, to everyone that is still out there on the struggle bus, let Matt and I be your spirit animals for you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. we'll see. 
I'll just keep following along. Tim, this is the week. Actually, this is not the week. I'm I'm putting it down right now. Next mm-hmm. week, you're killing. I'm killing. Okay. Then I'm gonna go to dads for gun season. I'm gonna I'm gonna unlike Mike. I'm going to grab a gun, something that will shoot really far. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have the biggest high-powered scope on it I can find. Like it? <laughs> and I'm going to let it fly. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going to die. <laughs> so stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. That's part of the magic of the show. Actually, here's well, what's Good going luck, on. fellas. Yeah, I'm going to see something Dad says I have to pass. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Would you shoot this? Would you shoot that? Yeah. Would you shoot this? Oh, this is the one you can see, but you can't shoot. <laughs> he's only six. We're hoping he's going to get to seven. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Different world. Well, have a good rest of the season. Hope you and the crew are safe and uh, successful. And we love watching you guys, man. So keep up the great work. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Always good catching up. All right. All right. See you, Michael. Until next time. Yeah. Peace out. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast. DeerCast.